You're listening to the most authentic place in sports. It's the Sports Headline Show. Here are your hosts, Sean Davis and Warner Sanker. Welcome in, everybody, to a new edition of the Sports Headlines Podcast. Sean Davis here with Warner Sanker, continuing our in-depth NFL preseason power ranks with the number 17th ranked team, as the B drops. Number you know, 17. It never, it, it never sounds natural if, as we say as the P drops. It's either right before or right after. It's, it's never right like perfect. Yeah, and we don't want to speak over the beat, so you can't say it as the beat drops because then you're going to have the technical Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Whatever, but the number 17th ranked team is going to be the Minnesota Vikings, and we're stoked to be joined by uh, Minnesota Vikings analyst and superfan Evo. Evo, welcome into the show. So, so excited to have you joining us. Thank you for having me. I've been watching a few of y'all's episodes. I'm excited to be on my own. Yeah, absolutely, brother. Uh, your your stuff you do with the Vikings is great, so I'm excited to have you on. And let's kick things off. First off, let's start with more of a question. How optimistic are you about this Vikings team heading into your one with Kevin O'Connell uh, and your guy Kirk Cousins re-signing him uh, or giving him the, an extension? How stoked are you heading into the season? Um, my optimism fluctuates week to week. Some weeks I'll think we can make a Super Bowl run and others it's, um, we can't make a Super Bowl run. We're wild card exits. I I think at the bare minimum, this team is a playoff team, but it's how competitive can we be when we get into playoffs? And it is about if you can get hot, but is this team a team that can last throughout the playoffs, like the injuries and the depth? I'm sure we'll get into that later, so I'll save that, but. There are some question marks on these on this team. Yeah, like the kicker and field goals. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I had to do it. You and Sean both with the special teams troubles, but um, but yeah, no, I, I think um, as we as we move forward, we're really gonna show this Vikings team who they are, and, and I think we're we're gonna get to this in a minute. But it's a very top heavy roster with a lot of stars, yeah. but um, some some really important parts that just aren't quite up to snuff or uh, or don't have the depth for if one of those guys, say a Daniil Hunter, gets hurt again. Up to yeah. snuff is a new one. Word of the day is up to snuff. That is uh, a new one. Let's dive in here with, to kick things off, with a very busy offseason here for your Minnesota Vikings. You fire your complete coaching staff, Mike Zimmer and Clint Kubiak being the most notable names. Uh, Tyler Conklin, what are your depth tight end pieces? They're also gone. Mason Cole, one of your centers. Everson Griffin, edge rusher. Michael Pierce, Sheldon Richardson. So you lose some front four depth there and some starters, actually, even. Nick You're Vigil. Losing, yeah, all, all these guys, real quick, are starters. Conklin stepped in for the injured Irv Smith. Mason Cole, yeah. um, Everson Griffin, Michael Pierce. Shel- I mean, three of your D linemen and then uh, three of your your starting secondary as well. Well, Sean, exactly. it's, it's bold to you to add for you to add Brashad Breland as a notable departure. <laughs> I, he played a lot of snaps. I didn't do it. Warner did. Don't blame me. Um, <laughs> Mackenzie Alexander, your slot corner, then Xavier Woods. But your additions, I think you had a really solid offseason. Yeah, we're gonna I talk like about it. the we're gonna talk about the coaching staff more in a bit. Um, but Kevin O'Connell, Wes Phillips, and Ed Donatel, I really do like the staffs that Kevin O'Connell put together. Uh, Jesse Davis probably gonna be one of your starting guards this season. Uh, Zadarius Smith, easily the biggest name in terms of the player you guys got. 
Uh, Harrison Phillips to bulk up that interior defensive line. Jordan Hicks and Chandon Sullivan to replace Mackenzie Alexander to be your slot corner. And then your draft, Lewis Sign, Seen, I think I pronounced that right. Uh, Andrew Bruce, a steal in the second round. So really bulking up that back line, your state, your secondary room here, especially for the scheme you're going to be running. I think it's very vital that you did that. Uh, Ed Ingram, another guard. And then a Caleb Evans, did I say that right? Another yeah. corner in the yes. fourth round. Evo, I'll let you have the floor here with this one. Evo, what, what are your thoughts overall on your Vikings offseason? How do you evaluate your offseason? Um, I think the offseason was good considering um, – Rashad Breland, Mac Alexander, Xavier Woods, Michael Pierce, unfortunately, Everson Griffin, um, were all guys that were there, but there because we're, there was no one else there. Like, they were just filling guys. Mason Cole's tough to lose because he was an insurance policy with Garrett Bradbury. Um, Tyler Conklin's always tough to lose because we don't know what's up with Irv Smith. But... The additions were good, too. Obviously, firing Mike Zimmer and replacing him with Kevin O'Connell has to be an upgrade, at least for this season. Wes Phillips, a great ad ad coordinator. Um, Zadarius Smith is really going to beef up that pass rush as long as both him and Daniel can stay healthy. Harrison Phillips is going to be a great run stuffer. Jordan Hicks is going to basically replace Anthony Barr. Um, and then, Ed, you said Jesse Jesse Davis was going to probably be our right guard. Um Actually, reports out of camp today say that it's Ed Ingram's uh, job to lose. It's better for you guys, probably. It is. Yeah, it's he, probably better for you guys. Apparently, he's been looking really good. So, I think we have a solidified offensive line now. Not solidified, but the guys that I can actually trust instead of throwing Ole Udo and Rashad Hill out there. So, I, I overall think we had a net positive offseason. Warner, any, any big takeaway thoughts for you on the Vikings offseason? I really like the offseason. I think you got a clear upgrade in Zadarius Smith. I think you um, you I don't know if Harrison Phillips is an upgrade, but he definitely serves his role as that big nose tackle uh, in the middle of your defense. Um, I also think Shannon Sullivan was an upgrade um, and, and Jordan Hicks. Anthony Barr's a real good player. I think Jordan Hicks plays this really well next to Eric Kendricks. So um, you got a really athletic linebacker room now. Um, and a very versatile group as well. So I, I really like the uh, offseason combined with the draft. I really like Lewis Sign. Andrew Booth was one of my favorite corners. Ed Ingram, um, as you said, looks like he's going to get the starting role. And, and even to Caleb Evans, uh, double dip in a corner, I, I really like that pick as well as a, as a depth piece and a future starter for this team. So before we dive into the current coaching staff, one of the losses, or notable departures rather, you fired your entire coaching staff, Mike Zimmer specifically. I want to touch on him. Being a Vikings fan, Evo, I'm trying to make a Chargers comparison here. Would you say he's almost like Anthony Lynn in some ways where, you know, he's fine, but you just knew you were never going to hit your full potential with that guy as your head coach. As much as you probably like, Anthony Lynn was a great dude, uh, but the lack of aggressiveness on fourth downs or just situations like, dude, be aggressive, have a really good quarterback. Or great weapons. Um, am I making the right an analysis there? Or what do you think on Mike Zimmer? I think you're in the ballpark, but there was there was a time where we thought we could get to the like where we wanted to be with Mike Zimmer, and that was what 2014 to 2018, maybe 2019. Even it's just the last two years he's fallen off, especially with the lack of defensive assets that we have to actually um, run his scheme, and then. 
his lack of offensive like presence, like he he wants the offense to be ran one way, but won't be there to help it. Like you see, we've had I think seven offensive coordinators in the last eight years, which is the Mike Zimmer's tenure. He wants the every single one runs the offense the same way, and when they don't run it to like par, I guess like he, they get fired. So the offense is never good. It's always very conservative. Like last year, we were bottom five in goal line passes. I think that's what it is. And that just can't happen. Because when you have dynamic threats like Tyler Conklin, who was a great red zone threat, Adam Thielen, who was probably the best red zone wide receiver in the league, if not Mike Evans, you have obviously Justin Jefferson, and even Dalvin Cook can get out of the backfield. So lack of creativity lack of balls for a better lack of a better word and i don't know he he just it, it the defense got dry people figured it out and yeah, i'm glad you really real quick he also just runs a really complex scheme that a lot of a lot of these younger less talented less gifted players just don't can't acclimate to they just had a lack of talent on the defensive side i believe uh, as he's well. stubborn he he didn't he didn't break down film with kirk until this last year and even then he did it because he was forced to he didn't speak to our general manager rick spielman for six months which led to them both getting fired it's like if something doesn't go his way he's out and like i think the perfect example is on in his last game instead of letting justin jefferson break the vikings receiving record he went for the win which we were going to win either way he just wanted to like go out his way instead of so that brings up another question to me are we should we give Marvin Lewis another chance considering he had had Hugh Jackson and Mike Zimmer as his two coordinators when when the Bengals were making for the playoffs? I mean, Mar- was, was Marvin Lewis good. carrying them? Yeah, but um, we, we thought it was the other way around for a while. But um, I'm glad you touched on the lack of creativity and really really quickly from the base foundation. Let's just get so let's talk about your coaching and scheme offensively. It's gonna rank 14th. I know it's crazy, Sean Kevin O'Connell. He's a rookie head coach. Technically, has no real play calling experience because he was with Sean McVay in LA, and obviously McVay runs everything. By the way, uh, almost half of the staff is from the Rams, including your quarterbacks coach Wes Phillips, your offensive coordinator. But you're going to be running this West Coast slash outside zone. Sean McVay, more so McVay, I think it's important, but also a Shanahan style offense where it's a lot of wide zone and it's a lot of uh, play actions off of that, which really does disguising benefit the offense. Disguising the play. The, disguising like, the play. Same and, look. Who knows if it's a pass or run, just the and, offense. And as you guys are seeing here on this clip here, I think one of the biggest things the Vikings are going to benefit from next season is the more creativity from their passing sets. I think on the running downs, it's going to be very similar to what we saw last season with uh, Clint Kubiak as your OC because it was a lot more of the Shanahan solid offense. But with Kubiak and Shanahan, they're running a lot more 12 personnel, more big personnel packages. But with the McVay coaches, so you look at like Zach Taylor, you look at, well, now obviously Sean McVay, and we're we're assuming Kevin O'Connell here, you're going to be running a lot more 11 personnel. That's really benefits your passing game more. The Bengals, now they're allowed to have Jamar Chase and uh, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd out on the field pretty much at all times. And now I guess the downside of that is you're really relying on your wide receivers to block well, but
But in the Rams, that worked out a lot yeah. because Cooper Cup is really physical at the line and he does a good job. Robert Woods was good at this a lot, really, uh, as well, actually. I think there is some duplication here as well. You got Adam Thielen, who is Adam Thielen's a real good run blocker, and, and even Justin Jefferson for his skinny nature is, is very aggressive and good a run very blocker. Very aggressive. So I'm really excited what Kevin O'Connell's gonna do with you guys and maximize this offense. And Justin Jefferson uh, is gonna have a heck of a year. And as someone that is not a Vikings fan, I'd be stoked to have Kevin O'Connell as my head coach. Uh, Evo, what are your thoughts on Kevin O'Connell, what he'll be doing for the Vikings offense this season? I I mean, I think there's just a lot to digest there because it's going to be completely different than what we've seen in um, previous years. It's been like you mentioned Clint Kubiak, but it's been a Mike Zimmer offense. And I know that he has hasn't been the offensive coordinator, but it's been you're behind you're like second and eight. You're not five yards to the sticks you're running the ball with Kevin O'Connell. It's going to be more explosive, more uh, we've already mentioned creative, but ballsy, everything. Um, they're going to try and go get a win instead of protect a win, which is the main reason why the Vikings were in so many close games last year and lost a lot of them because they were trying to protect leads instead of extend them. And with Kevin O'Connell, the spread offense, they really go get it offense, basically. Uh, Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook are, I think, going to really benefit off of this. Adam Thielen's, I don't think, going to increase or decrease. It's going to stay the same because his brand of football is just red zone and route running, and there's not much you can really scheme there unless you wanted to throw him in as a Cooper Cup, but I mean, that might just be profiling because he's white. Um, but, yeah, I – I'm just really excited. I've seen Justin Jefferson running routes from the backfield and Dalvin Cook lining up like on outside the numbers. So I, th- there's a lot to be excited about. And if we fail with Kevin O'Connell, then we fail with Kevin O'Connell. But I don't think that's going to be the case. <laughs> Moving on to this. Uh, passing room here with Kirk Cousins. They're actually be tied 13th. Them, him and the 13th quarterback, they have the exact same grade. Um, so who's the 13th quarterback? Can you spoil that or no? Uh, just going to have to find out. It's very uh, that, it let's, would let's actually, explosive ranking. Uh, a lot of people and I'm Madden just, rating adjusters think he's a lot better than, than he it's is. Also, it, it's Derek just, Carr. No, but uh, actually now that you brought up Derek close, Carr – you brought up Derek Carr. I think Kirk Cousins is in this tier of quarterbacks where they're good quarterbacks. And I think there's a, actually a pretty chunky tier. But in this tier, it's another tier in the tier of quarterbacks. that. So it's two tiers. In the tier, one. It's a tier in the other tier. But there's another tier in the, the first in, in tier. The, in the tier. But, and that tier is basically guys you can win with but you don't always necessarily win because of. At the bottom of this tier, you're looking at like your Jameis Winston's, your Jimmy Garoppolo's, Ryan Tannehill's, and Kirk Cousins is in there. Kirk Cousins leads this tier. Guys like him, Dak Prescott, Derek Carr, those guys are kind of in a cluster. And honestly, if you ranked either one of those guys in any order, I think that'll be fine. Now, Kirk Cousins, more about Kirk, a guy that who's just really, really good in structure, 
and that can who has an underrated arm that's really accurate uh mechanics can be mobile and extend plays um that's generous <laughs> that's not generous actually extend plays like move outside of the pocket and look downfield extend plays that way maybe not run for 30 yards jenner that's not what i'm talking about um and i think the vikings can win a super bowl with kirk cousins I'm not sure they would win the Super Bowl because of Kirk Cousins, like the Chargers would, for example, because of Justin Herbert, or because the Bengals almost did because Joe Burrow was great, or the like stuff like that. Um, not because of Stafford. I mean, they had like, a loaded defense and a loaded offense as well. But not slandering Kirk here. Um, I think he is a good quarterback. I think he'll actually benefit a lot from the offense. As one of the things going back to Kevin O'Connell here, one of the things I think. Kevin O'Connell's going to do great, and it's really going to benefit Kirk and the playmakers. He does what all the great, I think he'll do, what all the great play callers do and what Click Kubiak really didn't do, and that's exploit matchups and find easy ways to get those matchups. It's a play, I want to say from week 12, or whichever week they the Rams played Arizona, in Arizona. Technically, again, this wasn't O'Connell because he wasn't calling the plays, but if it's anything like this, and the clip is playing here, McVeigh and the coaches, I'm just going to give credit to the coach staff as well. They did a great job here of, get, of getting this one-on-one matchup with Odell Beckham Jr. And Matthew Stafford has to make a quick read. He sees the linebacker jump over. That's an easy read for Odell for the touchdown. There, there just wasn't enough like simple creativity with the Vikings offense last season to get open one-on-one matchups because you have the dynamic playmakers, which we'll talk oh, about soon. It was, it was minute, so, so it was extremely cut and dry. It was either you're exactly. running the ball or you're running a slant. Like everyone, there was no option routes really. It was everyone run your route and Kirk has to find the the right man. Yeah, I, I think that's one Jesse thing Jefferson. that a lot of. Uh either old old fashioned coaches or younger play callers falls into the trap of just because your quarterback can go through his reads and be very effective in doing so doesn't mean that you have to make him do that every play. I mean, we saw it with honestly, Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers just look around the field. Then Matt LaFleur comes in and, Oh, uh, you know, it's a dumbed down offense. Oh, this, this, and that, but they have been a very good offense, a very consistent offense. And really it's a lot of it is just, Oh, Hey, throw this little, um, this this little out route, this pick route will have two receivers blocked for you. I'm thinking of another Cardinals game um, or, or throw the screen or, you know, you have Devonta here on this slant. He's your first read. You're going to him 88% of the time. Um, just because your quarterback can go through his reads doesn't mean, doesn't mean he has to. All right, Evo, floor is yours. We're about to get called every slander in the book because Kirk is tied 13th. No. Um, floor is yours. I've said multiple times, I think there's a clear-cut top 13 quarterbacks in the league. And I'm just going to go over, because I, I agree there are tiers, but I don't think he's in a tier with Matt Ryan and Jameis Winston. I think he's, he's, in the, in, he's a tier above them, but in the same yeah, tier. Right. You forgot that part. Oh, sorry. I forgot there was layers to this. Um, I So he, he is nine for me. Like a bean dip. <laughs> uh, Kirk, Kirk is nine followed by Derek Carr, and then Kyler Murray, and then Dak, and then Russell Wilson. Um, we can speak about Russell Wilson another day, but... <laughs> Warner Love, I forgot, I forgot, I forgot. You have it up. Warner hasn't heard. Oh, man, Russ. 
Oh, yeah, I haven't heard your quarterback rating. Yeah, no, we, we get to figure out Russ a different day because you do not want to get me going on that. But I think we got to have like a post episode interview for our Broncos episode <laughs> just about Evo's opinions on Russ. Oh, uh, we can. I, we I always we, disagree. I don't, I think I, Kyle is better than Kyle is better than Kirk Cousins, too. No, all right, but uh, here, that's he, fair. That's fair. Yeah, that's like, closer like, than he, Russ. He can, he can go in, but like, I don't think he's 13, but if you put him at 13, then fine. Yeah, I also want to say that I think that tier outside of Russ. But like <laughs> Kirk, Kirk, Dak, Carr, and Kyler, I think you can throw those in any order, and I wouldn't necessarily hate it. It just happens that for us, the order is what Kyler, Derek Carr, and then Kirk and Dak are tied. But again, any order you throw that in, I think that would be acceptable per se. Uh, Eva, anything about Kirk in general that we didn't already touch on? No, I don't think so. Um, he's he's a very accurate passer. So in this system, if if you're scheming guys open and you he wants to get some the ball to someone, he will. Like you see it in the red zone all the time. Adam Thielen's his favorite target, and it's always that same out route, five yard out route by Adam Thielen to the corner pylon. Gets it every single time. Um, I disagree with the fact that Kirk won't you won't win because of Kirk. I, I think that goes back and forth depending on the game he's having. Because um, Kirk, sometimes you lose because of Kirk. Sometimes you win because of, of Kirk. I think that's kind of the point where, like, almost every game that, say, uh, a Patrick Mahomes plays or a Josh Allen plays or one of these top, top quarterbacks, you're not losing because of that quarterback. Um, I, I think it's it's that quarterback gives you such a better chance to win because of their – you know, extreme skill set and proficiency as a, as a passer and or a runner. Um, Cause I think you throw Lamar in there as well. Um, I think that's what, that's what, uh, what we mean by you don't win because of Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins doesn't will a team to a win, uh, but you put some good playmakers around him. He's definitely able to very effectively operate the offense and, and put up good numbers. You know, he, he'll go for three twenty and three touchdowns, but it's not because he's dancing around for six seconds and um, and throwing a 50-yard strike off his back leg. I, I, see, I, th- I think this is where we disagree with quarterbacks because I don't think a guy has to make the, quote, dynamic plays to for you to win because of them. Kirk Cousins makes all, all almost all the right reads. He had seven picks last year in a system where he had to make the decisions. The decisions weren't spoon-fed to him. And, I mean, he he, he had his fair share of, like, below average games but he never had a bad game last year and since i think the falcons game of 2020 he has flipped a switch and he has been elite since that stretch he, he has been elite ever since then and i will not back off of that please get out of my room cut that out give, give you what this episode is elite <laughs> store <laughs> Mid sentence. He has been elite since his Falcons game in 2020. Get out my room. <laughs> oh, all right. No, I'm yeah, kinda yeah. Out. I'm kinda, you you, you had a you. nice pause before you said get out my room, so it'll be fine. Yeah, that caught me. I mean, I think I was done. So, Warner, if you'd like to rebuttal. Or we can move on. We're at 30 minutes. We haven't talked about anything else on this <laughs> roster. We're just in the quarterback room. Um, okay, um, to end my statement off, you win because of Kirk on most nights. But, yes, I I will admit, some nights it's not Kirk. 
All righty, I think that's a good place to leave it off at for right now without real, real talking quick, about this quick. for 30 more minutes. <laughs> real, real quick. Oh, boy. I think Kirk Cousins is an elite game manager. And I do not mean that as an insult in the slightest because I think Tom Brady is the greatest game manager to ever live. Mm-hmm. I think Peyton Manning's second, by the way. All right. What about Drew Brees? Is he third? Drew Brees was a very good game manager as well. It, it's just the, again, the, those guys aren't doing the the quote unquote dynamic. Sean can't even hear any of this because his headphones are off. But um, here, I turned up my volume all the way. I can't okay. hear. Okay. Um, I I think that you know just because they lack the 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 quote dynamic plays, um, means that they are. They they're not they're not a you know you hear the term system quarterback used almost derogatorily you hear the word game manager used derogatorily I mean if you look at the last since the two thousands the majority of Super Bowls have been won by game managers and I'm not just saying Tom Brady Jimmy Garoppolo went to a Super Bowl I know he didn't win um, Drew Brees Peyton Manning have been in multiple Super Bowls uh, and then you have guys like you know Ben Roethlisberger who Oh my God, Joe Flacco's the definition of a Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco's not even an elite game manager. He's just no. Go, come on. I didn't catch what you said, but um, I I, I just think um, just because you're called the game manager does not mean that you're a, a bad quarterback or uh, somebody who can't win or even make the playoffs. Well, I mean, obviously you can make the playoffs, but let's move on because there's other parts of this roster that we have to get to. Let's talk about this running back room. It's going to rank fifth in the NFL. Uh, Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison. You can make a legitimate argument, not name Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. This is the best running back duo in football. Alexander Madison just does a great job of being that rock because Dalvin Cook does have legitimate injury concerns. Um, Evo, what are your thoughts on this running back room here? Um, I think Dalvin Cook is the fourth best running back in the league, so that's always great to have. He's extremely explosive, and he has he's the most elusive back in the league. Alexander Madison behind him, not sure how confident I am in that. Um, I think a lot of his I think a lot of his production came because of the Mike Zimmer run system, which that's some of the only credit you'll ever hear me give Mike Zimmer. Um, I really like Ty Chandler and Kinney. Kinney's the best. Uh, kick returner in the league already he had two kick return touchdowns and three or no four past the 50 yard line last season and he only kick returned in eight games um he has game breaking speed and agility and then ty chandler and i it was only a preseason game but he displayed elite level agility so alexander madison i'd like to see his way out the door at the end of the season but really you yeah i mean a lot of people are uh, Oh, go ahead. A lot of a lot of Vikings fans are calling for his head now, like they want to trade it now. Oh, okay. So I I agree with you. He's not the most explosive runner in the league, but he's a he's a very he's a quality receiver. He's a quality runner, and uh, I think he's a smart player. He's been in the league for you know enough time. I, I think you'd call him a veteran by now, um, just the way he approaches the game. And uh, you know, I, I he's one of my favorite backups in the league. And I can agree with the Dalvin Cook being the fourth best running back in the league. I By the way, a lot of I think a lot of Alexander Madison's like hype. Like, don't get me wrong, I like him, but I think a lot of his hype comes from fantasy football. Like Dalvin Cook going out and him coming in and dropping like twenty fantasy football. When in reality, that's it's fair. Not but a great display. 
just just want to let you know, we did not rate James Conner too highly, even though he was like the what thirteenth best. Oh no, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying y'all are basing this yeah, off yeah. fantasy football because I have I have more respect for y'all than that. But I think a lot of his hype does come from fantasy football. I'm glad really quickly Evo brought up him being fourth, not even because uh, me agreeing with that ranking, but more so because that does bring emphasis again. When we grade them fifth or we give them anything, that does not mean like, hey, like Dalvin Cook, like we said, Ebo and Warner said, fourth best running back in football, but it's the fifth best running back room as a whole. And that's how we grade the rooms off of. So I just want to put that out there so we don't get uh, slandered. Hey, you guys are saying he's fourth. Uh, you're ranked them fifth. And the, o- the only really position that gets graded on their starter in the one player's quarterback. quarterback. Um, but I, I would say he's he's fourth or fifth, depending on Christian McCaffrey. I think those two backs are very injury prone. And um, I don't, I think, I don't think is is Dalvin the caliber of injury prone as? No, that's what I was getting to. I think I, I would trust Dalvin's health a little bit more than I would C Mac. Right. All right, because because the past what two three seasons, Dalvin Cook hasn't had any major in- injuries. It's probably just like been he's out like two three maybe four games a season. So yeah. All right, now I've also brought up the fact, pay attention to the rank and how we rank the room as a whole. Because when we get to our receiver room, Viking fans are going to slaughter us because Justin Jefferson is probably a top three receiver in football right now. But as we take a look at this receiving room here, it's going to rank 14th in football with a 7.80 grade. Look, Justin Jefferson is elite. Adam Thielen is a really good receiver. Irv Smith, Still. I think, is actually a great scheme fit, actually. But yeah. beyond that, you have some guys that I like. I like Amir Smith, Marset. I do like him a lot. Granted, it was from a preseason game, so I think there's more to be desired. But I do think he has some potential. Uh, Dalvin Cook, KJ Osborne too. He played really well down the stretch last year. He did, but there's still. I think KJ Osborne could have a breakout season, but just right now, also, granted, keep in mind there's a a bunch of really, 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 really talented and more i think real rounded receiving rooms again not knocking justin jefferson his route running ability and his ability to go up to just go get a ball is insane his ball skills are incredible there's uh the catch no that's the cowboys my bad um he doesn't have a legitimate flaw in his game and if he's the best receiver in football after the season don't say you didn't hear here first um i'm feeling he's falling off he's not falling off he's Taking a step back, but I think that's more of an age thing. He's still a very quality and damn near Pro Bowl caliber receiver. And I think we'll see that he's still very capable. He's going to have a great year in this offense. But KJ Osborne, still some question marks. Irvin Smith, I think he's a scheme fit. And, yeah, I, I think this is all point in this team that we kind of talked on before Evo goes on a rant and this is the best receiver room in football. Um, I, I think, like Warner said earlier, in terms of your actual starters or like your top two at a position, the Vikings, they, they got some of the better ones, like in terms of receiver. They duo, stack up with most of the best teams in the league. Like, for yeah. Most position groups. In terms of the duo, like Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, I struggle to find five better duos than that. In I five. Don't. They got, there's at least five. And even KJ Osborne. KJ Osborne is a high end wide receiver three. So, yeah, I'll give you five right now. Raiders, Bengals. Well, no, I'm I'm not saying that he's a top five, but I would I would not take ten over him. 
I'm talking. I'm talking to Sean. I think Easily. Sean exaggerated that five right there. Just calling him out on that. Okay, thanks, Warner. But um, and also pay attention more to like we're not saying this is an average receiver room because of them ranking 14th and 14th is right around average, league being six uh, 32 teams. So pay attention to the graded parentheses. It's right around a really really good. It's right around being a good receiving room. Um, that just falls a, a couple notches short. That's all. But it is definitely a good receiving room. Evo, every episode scales out of 10, seven's average. The higher you are above average, the better. All right, Evo, slander us. Go ahead. I'm not going to slander y'all. Um, could you, if you don't mind, could you pull up the graphic one more time? Because I'm going to go off the graphic. So, Justin Jefferson, top three wide receiver. Don't have to go over that. Adam Thielen. I think Adam Thielen's being severely underrated right now and being called, like, not wa- like wash, but he's taking a step back. Last season, he had, I think it was the third most touchdowns in the league, and he missed five games. He had... I don't have the stats in front of me, but I believe it was 12 or 13 touchdowns in, let me do the math here, 12 games. That's insane. I've got, I've got 10 tutties in 13, and he had 14 tutties 10, in 15 games the year before. 10, thir- okay. So I got I might have over-exaggerated a little bit, um, but still 10 in, what do you say, 13? So that's yeah. four missed games and 10, meaning he would be, he would have been on pace to have the most touchdowns in the league, I believe. Um Second or first best red zone threat and one of the best route runners in the league still. Big body guy. I think people take that for granted. Um, so I still think he's like hovering around that top 25, which is still really good. Maybe even top 20 if I wanted to get generous. KJ Osborne is a question mark at wide receiver three because I think a lot of his production last year came off of um, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Like, what's the word? Getting all the attention. Yeah, it, there's a word for it. I don't remember what it is. But I think K.J. Osborne is a really good wide receiver three. But if Adam Thielen or Justin Jefferson were to go down, having K.J. Osborne as my wide receiver two would make me feel shaky. And, Sean, I think you heard me talk about this to Joe. It's like th- this up front looks really good right now to me. But say a Justin Jefferson or an Adam Thielen goes down, Bringing KJ Osborne to the two and Amir Smith Smart set to the three makes this look really bad. And with Adam Thielen's injury history the past few years, those his ankles are not looking good right now. So you can expect about three missed games from him. The depth, Albert Wilson's probably gonna make the fifty-three. Amir will definitely he'll be our fourth. I don't think Blake will because he's in and out of injury. BC probably won't because that ACL and the only reason he was there was Zimmer, I think. Jalen Naylor is an elite speed threat who could make the 53. Tristan Jackson has been a camp standout and was a preseason standout, so I hope he makes the 53. So you're probably looking at five, or actually not five, probably six receivers, which isn't the best, but Amir could be a sleeper guy that could really blow up this year, say someone gets injured, God forbid. Irv, who I don't know what's going on with him. I think he has a wrist injury right now. He is questionable for week one. Um, coming off that meniscus tear, and how well is he going to look? Who knows? Dalvin Cook is Dalvin Cook, and then the tight end depth is atrocious. So I don't even want to talk about that. I, I think I think Irv Smith will be fine with the meniscus. Um, all it really does is just cushion the knee. It's not like it's a an ACL. It's not moving muscles and joints. So. Um, I think Irv Smith is 
primed for a full bounce I don't, back if that I don't, wrist stays healthy. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I, I don't think it's as much of the meniscus tear that scares me. It's the fact that he was primed to break out last year and then missed an entire year of football. Half of that year wasn't he doing anything. Like, he was just sitting okay. down. I'm sure he was, work, like, working out to some extent, but not at a football level. So – that's that's where my concerns come in. It will probably take him at least a few weeks, uh, if not like four or five, maybe even six, to get acclimated back to the uh, the intense sport that is football, uh, especially playing tight end. But yeah, as you as both of you have said, you know, you look at these, you look at the top five right here, um, or even if you, if you take Osborne off the field and you you put in C.J. Ham, um, that's still a very good receiving room and, and very good for. Um, again, a quarterback like Kirk Cousins, who's very good at going through his reads and, and a very accurate passer as well. I will say for Adam Thielen, um, as you pointed out, the ankles are, are definitely a problem, ankle health for him. And when you are uh, – he, he's not a he's not a primary uh, route runner, but he doesn't have that top-end speed that some other receivers can kind of fall back on. So when you are uh, big into getting open via your routes, ankle health is, is very key. You've got to have – strong and explosive uh, knees and ankles and, and hips to uh, to run crisp routes. What's so unfortunate about that is the ankle injuries of his have primarily not been his fault. Last year, a Lions defender, like for no reason after the play, just rolled up his ankle. He was out for two weeks. Um, the other one, he stepped on a guy's shoe and he rolled his ankle, sprained it out for two weeks. So, None of these are like his like his fault. It's just now it's going to be a problem coming going forward. Yeah, just a nagging injury. Um, as we move on to, I think offensive line here uh, for the Vikings. I think this is really what's going to hamstring your offense, other than Brian O'Neill. Um, not too hot on this offensive line to say mm-hmm. say the least. Yeah, and I will say this. I think if Ed Ingram is starting at right guard, and, and I think it's very much a good thing that good things are coming out of camp about Ed Ingram because I think he's day one a better run blocker than Jesse Davis and I think pass protections about the same if not better with Ed Ingram but let's start with the good stuff Brian O'Neill is a stud and he's really an underrated right tackle at this point he's probably the third best right tackle in football outside of Ramchek and Tristan Wirfs unless I'm missing somebody those are the first two that I honestly think on the top of my head I can say legitimately are better than Brian O'Neill. He's just a stud and a rock on that right side. The other side, Christian Darisaw. I was really high on Darisaw coming out of the draft last season. I thought he was a perfect scheme fit for you guys coming into last season. I think some of that stuff still resembles this year. And he has some pretty good tape last season as well. He had some moments where he also didn't start the season healthy. Keep that in mind as well. But I really do like Christian Darisaw. I'm going to save Garrett Bradbury and just the rest of this O-line in general to to Evo because, Evo, Garrett Bradbury, man, he is uh, bad at football. Let's just say that. Real real quick, very good run-blocking offensive line, which I think will really benefit this this running back room, which Evo touched on is a very explosive room other than Madison, but I still still like Madison. It's more of a zone scheme uh, running or line. Can you move – like can you put the graphic up again? Um, sorry, I'm a visual speaker. Um, Christian Darisaw, I'd just like to point out, was only injured for three weeks of the season last season. It was Mike Zimmer doesn't like to play rookies and decided to play Rashad Hill over him, which I'll never get. Christian Darisaw was really good last season. Ezra Cleveland, 
Uh, I don't think many people know that name, nor really should you. He was just an average left guard last season, which is all you can ask for, really. Garrett Bradbury sucks. I don't really think I have to go in any detail there. That guy cannot pass block. Um, How explicitly does he suck? He's, he has been, for two years in a row, like dead last in PFF ranking. Yeah. Pass blocking. And the, the only thing he's good at is run blocking and getting, like, I don't even, like, outside zone. But he can't even do that. He just gets put on his ass. And then um, Ed Ingram for replaced Jesse Davis. I don't know. Whoever's starting there, I have not a very extensive knowledge about. I'm just going to hope they're good. And then Brian O'Neill is obviously Brian O'Neill. I want to focus on I want to focus on Wyatt Davis as well. Uh, drafted last year, uh, was originally projected to be one of the top picks, maybe even a first round guard. Definitely fell. I can't remember if he was a third or fourth round pick, third. but um, I think I think he's definitely still got potential, um, and he shouldn't be defined by his fall in the during this college football season in the draft. He he won't. He will never start on the Vikings. Um, he's had extreme weight issues, and whenever whenever he has played in camp, he has been just dominated. So unless he goes through a transformation next season, because he will not he will not play this season unless unforsaken injuries, because Austin Slotman will play above him. Chris Reed will play above him. Jesse Davis will play above him, and Ed Ingram will play above him. I'm curious on what his listed weight is. He's only he's listed at three fifteen. I mean, that's yeah, there's no way that's no way. All right, moving on again, really quickly about Brian O'Neill. I mean, if you consider Ellen Jenkins a right tackle, he's more of like a swing guy who can play literally anywhere. He's better. I could get Brian Jenkins is an all pro, no matter And Brian O'Neill should be an all pro, but. I know Ellen Jenkins, but okay. Jeez. All right, let's take a look at the offensive strengths and weaknesses. No notable weaknesses. I think the offensive line, as of right now, you could consider that a weakness. I think depth in general may be a weakness, uh, more so in the receiver room, if anything. But holy cow, or as Clay Thompson said, holy cannoli. uh, This is crazy how star-studded your playmaker group is. Dalvin Cook, that running back room in general, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, KJ Osborne, Irv Smith, can he get reacclimated and back into football shape? Uh, the quarterback friendly scheme. I think this, you could, it's crazy because Kirk Cousins had some really remarkable seasons, especially production wise. But I think it might be crazy to say that you might see the best version of Kirk Cousins possible next season because I think we're going to see a scheme that's really tailor made and uh, that's going to optimize him, at least from a passing scheme standpoint. So, I'd be really excited about that if I was a Vikings fan. Um, and then, speaking of Kirk Cousins, you know, at the bare minimum, you know what he's going to get. You know what you're getting from Kirk Cousins. I think that's a strength as well. From a week-to-week, game-to-game basis, you're going to get at least good quarterback play at the bare minimum. I think that's fair. Or, like, there, there's going to be some weeks where – He's not going to go through Peterman and lose you a game. Yeah, he's not going to be the worst quarterback in football one week or like a below average quarterback. You're going to at least get actually maybe not good every single week, but like the worst version of Kirk Cousins is an average quarterback. And but most of the weeks you're going to get a good quarterback, and like ten weeks out of your ten to twelve weeks, you're going to get a good quarterback. 
the other quarterback in about five weeks or so you're gonna get an elite quarterback like a top six or so quarterback about five games next season and then you're gonna get maybe one really bad game but again that bad game for Kirk Cousins is an average quarterback so I think just Kirk Cousins consistency is a strength because you're not Jameis Winston where one week or Carson Wentz where one week you're a top 10 quarterback and the next week you're a bottom five quarterback so just having that rock and consistency is really, really important, in my opinion. Um, unless anybody has anything to add on, we're like 50 minutes deep, and we've only talked about the offense. So let's dive in. I do have this. two things to say. And this Go goes for both offense and defense. Um, I'd like to credit Joe Spinoza with this take because he's the one that brought it up. But you look at, like you mentioned, star-studded. But on both offense and defense, you can name about eight or nine like really good guys. But you one by one take one of them off or two of them off. The, there's huge holes and holes that you might not be able to overcome. And then second, Warner, I remember the word. It's decoy. Um, so very good, very good. Um, I, I want to throw in. Remember the last time that Kirk Cousins was in a true um, kind of Shanahan style offense? I believe it was what 2015. Washington, with, yeah, 2015, with Washington. 2016. Um, and, and then he went to Minnesota and even he got better in, in my opinion from, from then. But again, as you've said, probably 17 times through this episode, Mike Zimmer just hamstrung the entire offense, especially Kirk cousins. And, and I think with him, um, and Kevin O'Connell, I assume they're going to have a more open, uh, friendly relationship along with O'Connell, just being a lot better at general offense than Zimmer was. Uh, I think that's really going to benefit this Vikings team as well. Also, Kevin O'Connell, I think we could say will probably be better with time management, but granted, uh, that's a pretty low bar to clear. Uh, let's talk about this defensive coaching and scheme here. The defensive coaching and scheme is going to rank 24th in football. Please ignore that overall defensive grade. That's clearly a botch there. They do not get a 62 uh, defensive grade. That would put them in as what, like, Dead last. They would be dead last if they had that as their grade. Uh, Seven, uh, 74 points or seven. Yeah, 74.7 is their defensive grade. It's their defensive grade. Um, so let's ignore that for a sec. But Kevin O'Connell is the head coach. Ed Donatello, your defensive coordinator, who's going to run more of a 3 4 split safety, but he's been working with Vic Fangio his entire career, his first time calling the shots here. And I think the big reason why you got all this uh, defensive back help. This offseason and in the draft is because with this Fangio scheme, it's kind of ran how the Shanahan scheme is ran by a bunch of teams. And it's kind of the the most popular or one of the most growing schemes, the more popular ones offensively. That's kind of the Fangio scheme now, because you look what the Rams are doing, the Chargers now with Brandon Staley, the uh, the Browns are doing it. The Broncos are doing it, if I'm, if I'm uh, not mistaken as well, the Packers, I believe now, too. The Vikings now, there's a few other teams I'm not mentioning. But with this Banjo scheme, you're really relying on your safeties to be able to rotate and disguise things for you. And now you can, instead of going from uh, quarters coverage, you can rotate and disguise that into cover three and things of that nature. So this can be a very complex scheme to understand and grasp as well for a young defense. Um, I think the Chargers last year has some problems with that. Uh, with a young secondary, Asante Samuel Jr., his first season as a corner. Uh, Derwin James, his first season in this scheme. He was great, but 
Uh, well, better example, Nasir Adderley, his first year in this scheme. Nasir Adderley actually played really, really well for us. Um, Michael Davis, his first year in a scheme like this. So I think year one, you won't really see the payoff from your secondary in the scheme. Or maybe I'm wrong because I think you I, guys – I think I think early in the year that might be the case, but one brilliant thing – sorry to cut you off. One brilliant thing about this scheme is it lets the players play fast and instinctive mm-hmm. and not That's worry true. about, oh, what's my spot? Where's Where's this? What keys do I have to read? If this happens, what do I do? It's it's they they really get to react and you fall back on their athleticism and um, just chase the ball basically. And uh, I think that's really going to help after they get over the first few weeks of uh, being acclimated to the scheme and real NFL football, not just preseason and training camp uh, type scrimmages. After that acclimation period happens, I think it's definitely going to benefit this defense, especially with this young group of corners. I'm really excited to see Andrew Booth play. I hope he gets on the field. Evo, what are your thoughts on uh, Ed Donatel or any big thoughts or uh, before we get into this defensive roster? Um, nothing crazy. I like the I like the switch up of the schemes because I feel like the older one was getting a little bit, bit too dry. We've been running two high safeties for 40 years now, so it's nice to see a change. And speaking of the safeties, it's been said that, you know, we drafted scene and then last year, Cam Bynum showed great flashes while Harrison Smith was out with COVID. Um, they're looking to run more of a nickel with Cameron Bynum or Lewis scene kind of in that nickel spot, but not playing that nickel corner. If that makes any sense. No, or totally. Even, or even move Harrison Smith down to a dime linebacker. I, w- I would like that as well. Yeah. He he's, he's considered the pro safety right now. Um, Cam Bynum or Lewis scene will be that um, single high safety. And then playing like center field. Yeah. Literally just make Harrison Smith Duran James in terms of the role. <laughs> Because And that's why I don't want to turn this into a Chargers pod, but I actually talked about this with Evo. I was really excited that we got JT Woods because now that allows Brandon Staley to be more uh, creative and flexible with Derwin James, who's just an all-world talent. I think you guys could do that with Harrison Smith as well, who is a great coverage guy, but it can also come down, maybe pressure the quarterback every once in a while and make an impact in the run game, and you don't have to have them just – 15 yards deep, or that's actually an undersell, but I would, deep. I, in. Would really like, I would really like to see this team run a lot of dime, actually. Have Eric Kendricks be that single linebacker. You've got Daniil Hunter and Zedarius Smith to carry the pass rush, um, and then and then put all those DBs out there, whether it's a combination of Peterson, Danzler, and Booth, and then you have Sullivan and probably Harrison Smith down in your in your two slot roles, uh, and then, again, Bynum and, and Lewis Seen or Sign. Um, up in there, I, I would love to see that. Um, I would love to see that lineup, especially against, you know, say the Lions, who have a, just a plethora of weapons they can throw at you. All right. So since we're already talking about the secondary, let's go backwards in today's pod with the defense. So if you guys are uh, usual listeners to the pod, we're going to go backwards to so start with the secondary. That's going to rank twentieth. If you guys haven't been watching, that's uh, generous. Very generous. <laughs> wow. With a 7.2 gray, Patrick Peterson, Cam Dantzler, Shannon Sullivan. I think, man, Evo's saying it's generous. I think we're giving some credit to the scheme and how these guys might get a boost because of it. If and they, the rookies. Y'all are giving a lot of credit to these rookies. I we're like the depth, actually. You, you talk are, about the lack of depth. I think that is definitely to be applied in every room except for secondary. You got Cam Bynum, really? Andrew Booth, and Caleb Evans. I, I, I like the, the depth in the secondary. I am going to go on a crazy rant, but oh boy, have fun. Go, go ahead. ahead. 
Oh, you want me to go now? All right. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Do you want me to leave this so, up for you, or do you want the camera yes, to yourself? Please. Okay, go ahead. So, Pat, again, this all comes down to if you remove one person, will someone be able to fill their spot? Andrew Booth, who knows? A Caleb Evans, who knows? A Caleb Evans is literally a Cameron Dantzler clone, and Cameron Dantzler will probably be able to elevate his game without Mike Zimmer, the quote-unquote cornerback whisperer who held him back last year, really got him got in his head. Last year, Cameron Dancer was playing without confidence. He had the right technique. He was a really good tackler and really good eye for the ball, but he would hesitate sometimes because I guess he didn't like know if he was doing the right thing. I just think he he was scared of failure. And I this think year this within, team will really help with that. Sorry to interrupt. Oh no! And then Patrick Peterson getting up there in age had a few injuries last year. They were kind of ticky tacky, but I I expect him to be average this year. Andrew Booth, you hope you can get something out of him. Chris Boyd sucks. The only reason he's on the 53-man is because he is the best locker room guy we have. And I love Chris Boyd to death saying he sucks. He's my one of my favorite players on this team. Harrison Hand should never get a minute in the NFL. Um, and then you, you have those three safeties. You have Harrison Smith, Lewisine, Cameron Bynum. Josh Metellus is atrocious. Miles Dorn, I'm not going to lie, I don't really know much about. So... Yes, there's like flashy names in the depth, but are they guys that can come in and make an impact or sustain that level of play? Who knows? I I think it's an extreme question mark. I think Booth could play sort of that Patrick Peterson role as that bigger corner. I think he's got all the traits too. Um, will he do it in his rookie year? Probably not. He's a rookie. Um, and then, as you said, Caleb Evans being that Cam Dantzler clone, um, I, I think I think those two could step up for it. I think Ch- Chan Sullivan was an upgrade over Mackenzie Alexander. He's got uh, experience both as a corner uh, and a safety. Plays played a lot of slot, uh, slot in Green Bay, and then and then I really like your your safeties as well. At least those top three with uh, Smith, mm-hmm. Simon, Bynum, just above average. I, I think that's uh, that's where they're falling here. Yeah, it's it's just like a. I said it. The cornerbacks, at least, I'm really confident with the safeties, but. The cornerbacks are just in a huge question mark, but if I had to put money on it, they will not. They'll be below average. All righty. So Evo gets his rant there, a mini rant, but I still think there's a tad bit of optimism that Evo displayed there, which is nice. Let's go backwards. Let's talk about this run defense group here that's going to rank 21st, right around average. Neil Hunter, Dalvin Tomlinson, Harrison Phillips, and Armand Watts is another interior defensive lineman. Zadarius Smith, I think you got some good guys up on the front four, or front five in this case. Uh, Eric Kendrick, I think your linebackers or your safeties actually are going to help a lot with this as well. Yeah. Warner, what are your thoughts on this run defense room? I think you. I think the, the big men up front are just uh, you know, quality starters. They're not really moving the needle for you. They're not doing any crazy um, crazy Jeffrey Simmons stuff. But um, I, I really like Zadarius Smith and, and Daniel Hunter off the edge. Obviously, they're going to do more in the, in the passing game. Um, but they, they still are, are athletic enough and experienced enough and just good enough overall to make plays in the run game. I think the big key is Ken Tomlinson, Phillips, and Watts, or uh, if it's just you know two of those three um, in, in a nickel or dime defense, can those guys keep linemen off of the linebackers? Because Aaron Kendricks, Jordan Hicks, even Smith, Sine, and Sullivan can fly to the ball. They are very good um, at defending the run game, especially – Kendrick Hicks and Harrison Smith, um, if they if they don't have a big offensive guard up in their face moving to the second level, 
those guys can really plug uh, plug some gaps and, and make running backs hurt. Um, so uh, to respond to that, Dalvin Tomlinson is a guy that just eats up space. Like he's there so that guys do not get to the second level. Harrison Phillips is more of that get through the offensive line and get attack, like get a tackle in the backfield. So you have varying run. Like we haven't had this in a while. Um, you have the guy that's going to eat up space and the guy that's going to go attack the ball on the defensive line, along with Neil Hunter, great run defender, Darius Smith, weak run defender, but makes makes up for it in the pass game. So you have variations on that defensive line, whether it comes to pass rush or run defense that you really haven't had the past, what, three years, which I think is really going to not excel it because we were 28th last year. But I, you could probably find us middle to pack and run defense and pass rush this year. Again, granted, thanks to uh, the, the grade again, a seven middle of the pack average, average run defense. I do think your, your secondary and your safeties could really help a lot. Obviously Harrison Smith. Oh yeah. Uh, Louis seen, uh, can buy them even. I think those guys in hell, Andrew Booth, even, I think we, we have, we have an extraordinary run defense in the secondary, like the secondary. Cameron, Dantzler, yeah, too. I think Cameron, Cameron Dantzler is an elite tackler. You look at him, you think, Oh, that guy probably can't tackle or anything. He, he had, I think, the least amount of missed tackles. He attacks the ball and hits hard as, like, I think he's, like, 185, 6'2", or something. He's like yeah. a needle. Um, Jordan Hicks and Eric Kendricks are going to get their tackles. Like, Eric Kendricks especially. Um, Harrison Smith's going to do his thing. Lewis Seen is, I don't know if he misses a lot of tackles, but when he when he hits them, he hits them. And Cameron Bynum is an insurance tackler too. It's like it's the same thing with everything else on this team. It's the depth. The depth is atrocious. That especially at linebacker, Troy Dye and Chas Surratt should never see a field again. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not completely sure. I threw Chas Surratt on there because I know he saw the field a lot, but he might not make that 53. I'd take Lynch I, Dye and Asamoah. I Surratt would not. Troy Dye better not make the team. I, I want y'all to look up a picture of Troy Dye on the field right now. I, when, tell me once you see it, because that guy is the ugliest player I've ever – he looks like a middle schooler. Like He looks like a middle schooler. No gloves, no sleeves, nothing. So that makes me mad, and he also Dude, can't tackle. Troy, Troy Dye looks like a straight-up baller, man. You see this guy's lats? Bro, he, this guy's um, huge. You, Blake Lynch, I actually like a lot. Um, DJ Wanham, the the I like the depth at defensive line. You have DJ Wanham, James Lynch, Armand Watts is great. Patrick Jones, who may remains to be seen. Jalen Twyman got shot twice last year, so he couldn't play. Now he's back, so he was supposed to be like a really good, not really good, but like really good potential. Janarius Robinson, I have a lot of hope for. A lot of these guys are just fourth-round picks who have a lot of potential. TVDs. Yeah, they're the guys that have really high upside or they just won't do anything at all, Um, which I like, especially as depth, and we have a lot of them. All righty, let's go on backwards again to this pass rush room. It's going to rank ninth in the NFL, a large part of that is Daniil Hunter and Zadarius The edge guys, man, it's key. The edge guys, you're you're looking at a 
I might be able to say top. I, I don't even two, want to... two potentially top ten edge rushers. I'll say it. I mean, Daniel Daniel Hunter is a top three edge rush, top four. I, top. He's top. He's the fourth best edge rusher in the league when healthy. Um, you got T.J. Watt, Miles Garrett, Nick Bosa. No one else. Maybe you can throw Joey Bosa in there if you're a biased Chargers fan. But I'm a biased Vikings fan, so I'm gonna throw. <laughs> I'm gonna throw. I, think, I think Joey Bosa. I think both of Bosa's are better. Um, that, that that's completely fair to say. But I think he's a top five minimum. Um, someone's gonna say Trey Hendrickson or Max Crosby. No, um, Max Crosby might be close. Not Max Zadarius. Apparently, Zadarius Smith was killing Trent Williams all day today, which is really good to hear. I know it's just training camp, but I mean, yeah, if he was killing Tr- the best, year, I if if in training camp Zadarius Smith was killing the second best player in the league, that's a pretty good sign. Um, Armand Watts has been a pretty serviceable pass rusher at the D2, DT2, and then Dalvin Tomlinson, again, just there to eat up space. Really, really quickly uh, about the Trey Hendrickson thing. I, I'm glad I haven't heard that because there's levels to this. Trey Hendrickson is good. I thought I, I was great last year, actually. I th- he really he's, hasn't he's, performed my expectations of him, at least. He, he's he's not freaking Daniel Hunter level. Like He's, he's no. top 20. He's not even... Snipping top ten though. But. Real quick, Evo, since you built, you brought up bias Chargers fans. How close do you think Khalil Mack is to Neil to Daniel Hunter in factoring in injury problems and kind of de- decreased production as well? Well, is the injury problems in in Khalil Mack's favor or Daniel Hunter's favor? Because they That's both been out. Question. But the, the thing is, I think uh, Khalil Mack has had more routine injuries that will come up. Daniel Hunter had a neck injury, which I don't think will ever happen again. And yet uh, he got injured when someone slammed, like jumped on him and he tore his pec. And is he really going to tear his pec again? Probably not. So he doesn't have repeatable injuries. It's been freak accidents that are one-off things. And unless he like does something to his knee, God forbid, then I think he's fine. Khalil Mack, on the other hand, has had decreased production and... The injuries, I'm, I'm not going to quote the injuries he's had because I don't know because he's a Bears player and I don't care about Bears players. Um, Daniel Hunter's better, far better. As a fully healthy if they both played all 17 this year. I'm taking Daniel Hunter. I'm also taking Zadarius Smith. but Over Khalil? Yeah. See, the thing about Zadarius Smith, he is, I think, 80% of the time going to win a one-on-one matchup. You've got to double that guy. One yeah, on well, one, I mean, and also he's going to win against pretty much every player in the league. Yeah, and what you have to remember is I I have watched both these guys go against my team for five years. Warner has two. He's a Packers fan. Packers fan. He's like Michael. Um, Zadarius <laughs> <laughs> uh, Smith has killed the Vikings much more than Khalil Mack has. When I see Khalil, I, I'm I was more scared of Akeem Hicks than I was of Khalil Mack, and I'm being, yeah, because you guys were double teaming Khalil Khalil Mack, dude. I I don't care. Khalil Khalil Mack is not worth his money. He he's a top ten uh, pass rusher. Cool, but like he's he's not touching Daniel Hunter. Actually, is he top ten? Because I said Zadarius Smith is better, and is Zadarius Smith top ten? We're getting, we're, 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 we're getting we're getting sidetracked. He's anyway, a Bears player. I I refuse to put him. He's not about the Bears him. anymore. Give him credit. He now. is a he's Bears gone. player. All right. He was a Raider, but John Gruden's an idiot. Yeah, he should probably still be on the Raiders if we're being honest. 
But uh, let's wrap things up with this defense. Uh, strengths, this pass rush. We just talked about it. The ninth best pass rush in football. I think almost regardless, unless a cast, uh, catastrophic injury occurs, knock on wood, unless that happens, I think you're looking at one of the premier pass rush groups in the NFL. Uh, the linebackers, Eric Hendricks. We didn't talk about him when we were addressing the uh, the secondary and the pass coverage, but he's going to really help this group out because Eric Hendricks is – the, the best coverage linebacker. He, he's the best coverage linebacker in the league, and he is the he is the benchmark when you start talking about elite core, uh, coverage linebackers. Like, okay, you're good. Are you Eric Kendrick's good? And if not, okay, like you got to raise your level. And that's why I think when uh, is it Shaquille Leonard now? Is that what he is now? Um, yeah, I was about to say. I was about to say Darius Leonard dreams of being Eric. Kendrick's dreams of being, but, but like he got paid more than. Eric Kendricks, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe he did get paid more. It's more just like, hey, it's his. it was his turn to get paid. But that's an overpay. Granted, he got better in coverage, but he's not Eric Kendricks better. And Eric Kendricks isn't a liability in the run game. So, like, like come on now. I, I do think that helps out a lot with him, and that's when we talk about the linebackers. The secondary upside and depth, I think, is also a strength. We went – Full extensive on that one. Uh, the health and the volatile secondary, although we just talked about the upside and depth, it, it is very volatile. And I think the depth in general on that front uh, four I disagree is, heavily with that. With the depth? With the front four depth. Yeah, I think, if anything, the depth is what shines through. How so? Um, I'll just go through them. James Lynch has... Because and again, we last season um, there was a point in time where every single one of our week one starters were out, and it was like that for I think three straight games. James Lynch was in there; he was balling. We we still finished the season with the most sacks in the league. DJ Wanham is a sack machine. Whether that's because they were focusing more on other people, I don't know. Patrick Jones it had came in and was serviceable. Jalen Twyman, who knows, but. These are guys that can come in and just do a job. They don't necessarily have to go and be explosive, like say a Daniel Hunter, but they will fill in and do a job. Warner, nothing else to add on to that. We did lose Sheldon Richardson, so that takes a hit, but I don't know. Let's take a look at the final ranking and notes here. So the Vikings, 17th in our power rankings. Kevin O'Connell, your first-year head coach. The anking 16th on both ends of the ball. Both si- I keep saying ends of the ball. I'm still in basketball mode, I guess. Like, I shouldn't say both sides of the court. I've said that one time. Give me a break. Yeah. Um, they're going to rank 16th on both sides of the ball um, with upside to grow on both sides. I think if that O-line shows the flashes and development that I think that it can, you know, with uh, I'm blanking Christian Darisaw specifically, uh, your rookie right guard, I'm blanking on his name now too. Um, if some of these guys can really play well in year one and year two, I think you can really see the growth there offensively. Um, and the defensively, gear secondary, live up to some of our expectations that we're putting on them, whether or not they're uh, overstated or not. I think that is a possibility. Um, let's take a look at the final schedule and project uh, the schedule projections and the Vegas over under. The Vegas over under is actually set at nine and a half, which is I think too perfect. Um, we I said this off camera that gun to my head, I would take the over, 
Um, let's take a look here. Week one, Packers are going to win that game at That's home. The Packers are so they're, they're never really they're, they're like, so they're they're so jumbled up right now. They, and I mean, obviously, with a new head coach, it's going to be kind of the same element. But I mean, you you saw today. Aaron Rodgers went off on like the rookie wide receivers and they literally held a meeting like talking I think, crap, like like they're just not a cohesive bunch right now. And obviously they will get that together because it's Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. But week one at home. It was my yeah. exact thought process. I completely agree with you there. And also, again, the Packers have never been one of those It'll teams. The under, Randall Cobb show. Under uh, Randall Cobb show. So under Matt- the third quarter, sorry. Under Matt LaFleur, the Packers have never really started off seasons well that much anyway. Uh, year one, they scored 10 points in the season opener against the Bears, and then they got smacked by the Saints, and then they got smacked early in the season the year prior, I believe, to the Bucks. Actually, it was week one against the Bucks that year. Uh, I, think. I don't anyway, think that was week one, was it? It might, it might not have been week one. You might be right. Uh, but the point is the Packers, early in the season, weeks one through four, they're never in form yet. So just keep that in mind. Week five and on, I think it's better judgment of the Packers. Have them losing week two against the Eagles on the Fair road. Enough. Philly is a tough place to play. I actually like the Eagles a lot this season, although they were ranked the team behind the Vikings. Go check out that episode. Um, week three, beat the Lions at home. Week four, lose to the Saints at home. I'm high on the Saints this year. As long as you get average to above average Jameis Winston in this game, I think you should be fine. Your offensive line is still capable and solid, although you did lose Tron Armstead. I know Evo wanted to touch on something. Evo, go ahead. I would just like to say the first four the first four games you have Saints, Lions, Eagles, Packers. You have to come out of that stretch two and two. You can't come out of that with a losing record. You've done that for two straight years. Uh, 2020, you were one and five and finished one game out of a wild card spot. Last season, we were one and three, finished one game out of a wild card spot. So you have to set the tone because we have proven we are a great late season team. You have to set the tone early against some pretty tough opponents, two of which you will probably be competing for a wild card spot with if you lose the division and one team you're going to compete for a division win with. So those are, these are three huge games and the lions are no. Yeah. Don't slouch. Lions short either. <laughs> yeah. As shown last season, they are no slouch, especially against the Vikings. Um, you, you got to come out of here pref- preferably with a win against the Packers and I'd say the Saints because the Eagles, are. I would choose to win that division. But it'd be great to win all four, but I don't. that's not going to happen. Week five, you're going to beat the Bears. They're actually going to sweep the Bears. Uh, they're going to go on the road and get, I think, a big win for team morale and get your first road win under new head coach Kevin O'Connell and beat Above the Dolphins. going into the bye, too. Four and two that's, going into the bye. That's unheard of for the Minnesota Vikings. You're going to come out of it. You're going to beat the Cardinals. I think this team, go check out that Cardinals episode, but I think the Vikings are tough enough and they have enough stuff in the trenches to be just out Allen Cook the is going to run through the Cardinals. He's going to run through the Cardinals, and even if he's not healthy, Alexander Madison yeah, not, as not much as – he's, Not quite he's healthy. Not quite he's it, healthy, and even if he's not healthy, that Cardinals team is so Billsbury Doughboy soft that Alexander <laughs> Madison is going to run through him. 
So the, the the big thing about the Cardinals is the fact that they are the worst or the second worst team in the trenches in the entire league. They are probably yeah. the worst on the defensive line and the worst and on Seattle, the offensive line. Worst too. Seattle's up there too. Yep. I I've said I said this in both of my record predictions. Go check that out on the Sports for Every Evolving podcast. But um, there we go. You know, it. This is if there's any team the like the Minnesota Vikings could bully because there's not many teams. If we're being honest, <laughs> this is this is this one. is one of them. This Ezra is now they, might look like a, a top five center in that Cardinals game. Uh, you mean Garrett? No, Garrett Bradbury will eat. Yeah, yeah like, Garrett Bradbury. Garrett Bradbury is going to be pushing people around, and we're going to be like, "Oh, this guy's the goat." He might catch a few passes like he did last year. But. <laughs> All right, you're going to beat the Washington Commanders. I think this could be a tough matchup for your front, uh, for your offensive line. But Carson Wentz is just too mad, and I think your defense is solid enough to, to win you that game or keep you in it long enough to where the offense isn't elite or isn't uh, playing that well to start off the game. The offense can get their things together to close it out. You're going to lose to the Bills. That's just a tough game in Buffalo. Buffalo – might be the Super Bowl favorites right now from the AFC side of things. So in Buffalo, Buffalo should be rounding around midseason form right now. This will be a tough game. Uh, you guys can beat the Cowboys. I'm significantly lower on the Cowboys, even though they're not. They haven't been revealed yet in our power rankings. Uh, actually, yeah, spoiler, they're coming up soon. Um, I am lower on them, but you guys are going to win this game. Uh, you're the, losing Bill, the, the Bills are the Super Bowl favorites in the entire league, by the way, plus 650. Oh, there we go. Plus 750. Uh, we have you guys losing to the Pats. I, I think this is one of those games mid to mid season. Uh, you're still at this point. You've only lost three games. Still thinking, you know, hey, it's a, it's a Thanksgiving Thursday Thursday night game. Yeah. So Kirk Cousins is infamous. I mean, honestly, I think this is kind of propaganda. But he's not Tom he, Captain Kirk. He he's not he's not historically not good in prime time. And then add that on, put it on a holiday. Yeah. I don't know. You guys bully the Jets. Um, and then we have you guys splitting against the Lions. You could very easily sweep the Lions. Not very easily. I think they'll be tough games nice. regardless. But have you guys split with the Lions because the Lions, they're, they're going to be a tough out. And I do like the Lions this year. The Colts, mm-hmm. I don't think you guys match up well with the Colts personally. Um, oh, good, glad Evo agreed with that one, actually. Um, <laughs> you guys beat the Giants. You guys are going to lose to the Packers. I don't see you guys sweeping the Packers. I don't think. I don't, Okay, mini rant, mini rant to the NFL. Why do they keep putting us in Lambo late late season every single time? Like, why can't like it? We always play them either week one or week two, and it's always at home. Like, why can't we play in Lambo early in the season and not play a snow game where we're probably competing for the division at this point in Lambo? Kirk Cousins is gonna play like he's gonna play horrible. Dalvin Cook's gonna have to carry like he did two years ago. Justin Jefferson's not gonna get the touches and. AJ Dillon and Aaron and Aaron Jones are going to run all over us. Do, does Minnesota play in the dome? Yep, that's right. Okay, didn't also didn't Kevin King pick off Kirk Cousins like twice the last time that they played in Lambeau? I don't know. Or was that was that early in the year? You're bringing up, you're, you're bringing up bad memories. I'm, I'm just saying Kevin King's last, terrible. So. Well, I mean, last season, I mean, we we played in Lambeau with Sean Mannion. I think right now Kirk Cousins is has a winning record at Lambeau. So that's, that's interesting, but still, I don't, I'd rather not play the Packers when it's freezing cold, snowing at Lambeau field, but you know, that's just me. Week 18. We're going to have you guys beat the bears to finish out 10 and seven. And you're going to make the playoffs. I think 
And if we're doing tiers here, we'll start doing that more and more as we get to our weekly NFL power rankings to the regular season. Um, more you can take that off the screen for right now. Um, I, I think this Vikings team, bare man, I, I think this is a playoff team. Not even by default. I think this is actually a talented team. But you just look at the NFC. I think if something drastically went wrong, if the Vikings don't make the playoffs, I think this team is too talented. One, I think the NFC is too weak for them. It's almost like the uh, – I'm not going to go this far. It's it's like Eva actually you – know Go what? that far. Do it. Go for okay. it. Okay. It's like the Lakers last season. Like everything oh, went wrong. Never mind. Back it up. Back it up. The, no, 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 the, the, the West was – Who's down. Russell Westbrook? Who's Russell Westbrook? No, ignore the roster. My point Kirk, is – Actually, no Kirk, Cousin, no, Kirk Cousins is Russell Westbrook. <laughs> I thought you just said he was elite. What's going on? You <laughs> said he's elite. No, I, no in, in the sense that if he plays bad, then everyone's going to be like, oh, this guy is literally so bad. Get oh, him okay, off my football fair. team. Oh, man. That's hilarious. No. And, no, and, no, 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 no. and he's elite Bradbury? before. And he's elite before. Like, like he's one of the nope. best players in the league nope, right nope, now. Nope, You said Kirk Cousins is Russell Westbrook. I'm, I'm, I'm holding you to that. No, I know. Yeah, he's one of my favorite. No, it's because it's because they're my favorite players, Sean. Come on. You didn't get the reference. I, I know. I know. But, um, no, my – Point by that was like the Western Conference was so, almost like so historically bad last the NFC, season. Oh, never mind. I thought you were still on the. Everything had to go wrong for the Lakers to miss the playoffs. And I think that's almost going to be the case this season for the Vikings. Something drastically is going to have to go wrong for the Vikings to miss the playoffs with this amount of talent and the fact that there's three outside the Vikings, three surefire playoff teams, the Bucks, the Rams, and the Packers still, no matter how you feel about their receiving weapons, those are the only surefire playoff teams. Yeah, Sean, I'd just like to let you know something. This is the Minnesota Vikings. Something is going to go drastically wrong. Oh, there we go. What what do you think it would take for the Lions to make the playoffs ahead of Minnesota? Kirk Cousins misses the season. (laughs) I'm not even going to – I don't know. I don't know. Jared Goff looks like that 2019, no, 18 uh, quarterback from the Rams all over again, like the Witsis yeah. Bowl. Looks I'm like just, that guy. That would take Sean McVay to go to the Lions. That would take McVay, exactly. Um, so I, I think 10-7 might sound harsh, but I think there are some winnable games that we did cross off as losses. I think, honestly, this whole schedule for the most part, I think the Vikings will be in a lot of these games. I just think some of these teams are better. I, the, if the Vikings went 12 and 5, I wouldn't be completely surprised. And they went, honestly, 8 and 9. I wouldn't be incredibly surprised either. I just think they're a playoff team that's going to go around 10 and 7 and uh, maybe compete for the division. And uh, yeah, be a wildcard team. Can I, can I be a Debbie Downer real quick? Oh, boy. Um, I think, I think um, you know, splitting with the Lions is realistic. I think they could end up splitting with the Bears just because. They are the Minnesota Vikings. I think that the Dolphins week six, um, the Cardinals and the Commanders, that three-game stretch are definitely losable games uh, for this Vikings team. Um, and then I think that, you know, they could they could obviously lose to a team like the Cowboys, um, and, and they could also get swept by the Packers, even though I don't think um, I don't think they will. So I, I think, you know, if everything happens for the worst, this team – could end up having you know six wins, but uh, I, I just I think I think ten wins is is the right pick here. So I think the floor is seven personally. Yeah, probably the floor. The ceiling. I mean, this might be overshooting it. Ceiling is like, and this again, this is the ceiling, not 
like something that could happen or it could, but like 13 wins ceiling. Everything goes right. Every single thing Everything in the goes world right. goes the, the, right. The, DB, the DBs, the rookie DBs are great. Um, like, do you think they Cam can Garrett Brad, Garrett Bradbury comes like a top ten center. Out of that, we gotta keep it realistic here. We gotta keep it realistic. Yeah. No. But, no. Yeah. Um, Warner, how do we close things off when we have guests on the show? By the way, Evo, do you agree with our record prediction? Like, what would you say is your uh, record prediction for the Vikings? I'm eleven and six, so. Same thing. Okay. I, I, there's nothing on here that I'm like, oh, no, that's just wrong. Like, I, this is a very fair prediction. Oh, so it's nothing like me, like, going on a rant about you having us lose to the Cardinals. Wait, no, you changed that, didn't you? You changed it. Right? I think so. I can, my, all no, my papers, Kyle Murray, Kyle they're Murray. all right here, so I can sift through them and, and tell you. They're, bro, that, that, uh, that Cardinals, Cardinals are mis- the Chargers. I guarantee it. They're Michelin Man soft, Warner. So I, I think one thing that people do have to remember is that the Vikings were within one touchdown of every single game besides the last <laughs> game yeah. and the game that Kurt – no, every single – like 15 of the 17 games, and the only two that they didn't, they blew out the and Bears in, in week 18 in Green Bay when Kirk Cousins didn't play. So this is a team that went toe-to-toe with the Rams, the Bengals, the – should have won that. Have every team. single team in the league. And it we're talking about a playoff team and potential division winner. If Dalvin Cook doesn't fumble in week one, Greg Joseph doesn't make, miss two two field goals. Um oh by the way, we could have won the Bengals game, but Greg Joseph missed a go-ahead field goal in overtime. So it's like th- this is a team who missed on a lot of opportunities last year. And this goes back to Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer protecting leads instead of extending them. I think if Greg Joseph can be more consistent, which he was towards the end of the season, and hopefully he can carry that over into this season, and then having a more aggressive head coach will really improve that. Hopefully now, with Kevin O'Connell, you won't have to make those last sec- last second field goals more than yeah. two or three times a season. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I can, I don't. There's probably a bet on this. Will the Minnesota Vikings miss a game-winning field goal this season? Put all your money on it. Every every it, single it, it, dime. It's like saying the will the Chargers lose the game because of their special teams. Put over on under it. one and a half missed uh, crucial missed field goals for the Vikings. I didn't change it, Sean. Y'all are losing to the Cardinals. Alrighty. Well, well, you you guys are losing to the Bears in week whatever. <laughs> Don't disrespect me like that ever again, Sean. Week Don't eighteen, disres- lose to we the get, Bears. We, we get team missed the playoffs. Because of a missed kick. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? That would be um, horrible. But the Bears are going to double doink themselves to a victory. <laughs> they double doink themselves. Uh, Warner, how do we close off episodes with guests? Uh, we play this fun little game called Flip the Table, where um, you, uh, guest Evo, gets to ask me, Sean, both of us, or one of us, um, any question you want, whether it's sports related, uh, show related, or completely out of the blue. So, uh, Evo, why don't you flip the table? Hmm. I'll ask a question to both of y'all because I have I have one for Sean Davi. Um, Sean Davi. Sean, what are your opinions on Russell Westbrook for this upcoming season? Good lord, do we have anything and how else? Well, how how well will he play for the Lakers? You mean yeah. how well? You mean how well? Oh, will also, he play? Sean, I have another question. Why is Kyrie not a Laker yet? You promised. I did not uh, promise. Exactly. <laughs> um, Russell Westbrook is gonna get is gonna look really really good. 
I I love what the uh, I love what Greg Popovich is going to be doing for him <laughs> in San Antonio. He's going to look great. The Spurs are getting a lot of media attention now. Russell Westbrook gets the mentor of those guys. You guys should look at me with a frown face. Okay, my bad. Uh, Russell Westbrook is going to look great in the buyout market. Yeah, he's gonna look and he's gonna look great in white and or no, yellow and gold. But wait, I mean, gold yep. and purple. <laughs> purple. Look, purple. Man, sorry, he he he'd look better in blue and orange. But you know, yeah, sure, just, sure, uh, sure. Just just uh, he looks just, better uh, in red and white too. <laughs> give 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 me a Lou Dort and Giddy for for Russ. All right, and, um, know, Warner. Let, let me let me flip the table on Warner. You're done here. All right, word count reached. Um, word count reached. Warner, for, first, can can you give me the? I you've texted me it, but can you give me like your NFL fandom oh, story? Oh, oh no! no. Okay, oh so, no! Dude, I forgot. I, I told you I was gonna go through this. So, um, dating back to I think, uh, you know, I, I I was a Packers fan for a while. I went through. I get a lot of credit of that. I get a lot of epic credit for that, man. I'm sorry. Give me some of that. You thought Peyton Manning was the was a god. I showed you Peyton Manning is not better than Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, Peyton Manning. Well, is like Sean, why would you do that? Why would you make a Packers fan? But I, I would say it's mostly because of my brother, not Sean. Um, no, it's a lot because, because of me. Mike Brown. I can't stand Mike Brown. I can't stand that guy. Um, what? But, <laughs> but um, I was a Packers fan. I went through the successes of the 2010s all the way to the terrible Mike McCarthy era that those two or three years uh, there uh, with Ty Montgomery being the starting running back um, and receiver. Uh, yeah. Um, fumbling that kickoff return against the Rams that Rogers was going to go on that two minute drive with one timeout to go win the game against the eventual Super Bowl runner ups to the Rams. Anyways, um, I, I went, I went through all that. Uh, things started turning around, you know, Aaron Rodgers through what 25 and two, the, Packers went 13 and three draft Jordan love the next year after losing to San Fran right in the championship game. And I was like, you know what? I'll let it pass. I didn't like the Deja Dillon pick is whatever. I didn't like the Doug Wara pick. It not a great draft. We'll let it slide next year. They come up and uh, was that, was that the, that, uh, that was the MVP year MVP year. Yes, uh, the Packers lose to Tampa in Tampa uh, in Green Bay because yeah, Matt Lafleur. Who, who was their first round pick that year? I'm I'm blanking. No, uh, I don't Eric know, Stokes. No, that was last year. No, I don't no, think they had a first. No, 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 no. That no, was no, last the, year. The, oh, I know this is this is the draft class we're yeah, talking yeah. about. It was Eric no, this, Stokes. I wanted I wanted Asante Samuel. It was Eric Stokes. Um, Oh man, I'm gonna have to go back in the the draft database here. All right, here, 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 here. to make but, to make and these then, and then you fa- yeah fast forward a few rounds. Um, it's like the third or the fourth round. The Packers second are on round. the clock. Creed Humphreys, yeah, really, yeah. Oh my gosh, it was the second round. That's unbelievable. Creed Humphreys right there on the board. You let Corey Lindsley walk. You paid Aaron Jones instead. You know what? Just draft your center. Draft the best center in the class. Cool. Move on. He can replace him. No, you pick Josh Myers. Round two, pick 31. Guess who takes Creed Humphrey? It's the freaking Chiefs. The I said, freaking the Chiefs. We're, we're – me, me, Sean, and one of our other buddies are on a, like a Zoom call or something, uh, some video chat together. I'd log off, go to bed, forget the third round, 
Um, they ended up taking Amari Rogers in the third round. Um, and, and that was kind of it. Um, and then of course this year, it was just kind of me laughing because you had, you brought in Deandre Campbell or Devondre Campbell. He had an all pro season. Jesus you don't Christ, really need to, I mean, they, <laughs> and then you take Quay Walker, who's not even the best linebacker from Georgia. Um, no, oh, I loved this draft because there was so yeah. much potential. But. And then you take Devontae Wyatt, which is fine. That's cool. I like oh, the Christian Watson pick, but just the 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 way you could they had George approached, Pickens. You could yeah, George the, the Pickens. way they approached this the last three drafts, especially the first two days, have just been terrible, and I can't take it anymore. So I think last year, um, yeah, last year was my first year not being a Packers fan, and my life has definitely gotten better. I still he, love Aaron he, Rodgers. He's, He's he's a Packers fan, guys. I I I still do like Aaron Rodgers, though. All right, guys. And he definitely let's, deserved the MVP over Tom Brady. Let's wrap things up, Evo. Thank you so so much for hopping on with this, bro. This was a lot of fun. You guys can check Evo out on YouTube at the Sports Forever Evolving YouTube channel and his podcast as well. Same thing, Sports Forever Evolving. I made a guest appearance, a couple of guest appearances actually. Talk about the Chargers and talking about the NBA and the Lakers uh, back around free agency. Uh, so, Evo, thanks for hopping on. Uh, please do subscribe right here to the Sports Headlines Show's YouTube channel. Ring that post notification bell as well as you stay up to date with all of our deep dives. Warner, thanks, brother. A lot of fun as always. And uh, we got half, half of them done. Got half of them more yes, to go. Sir. And I will walk downstairs in a few minutes. Thank okay. you so much, Sean. <laughs> and stay Warner. Safe. It was great. Stay safe, guys. Stay safe. We'll see you guys next time. Peace out.